This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter our offer code STUFF at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark with Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And although we haven't been in the studio, and Jerry's over there, although we haven't been in the studio, Chuck and I have been together on the road. Yeah. Doing Stuff You Should Know, the podcast, colon, live, exclamation. Leaving our stank all over this great nation. (laughs) Hoping to bring our stank into other great nations. Yeah, we're looking at you, Great Britain. We have no idea whether you want us to come over or not. We're trying to fill you guys out. <laughs> Let us know if you want us to come do a show there. Yeah, and that goes for other cities. Um, well, let's just recap. We went to we had a great fun time on the Warmer Climbs tour. Yes, uh, big thanks to Squarespace again yeah. for sponsoring the tour mm-hmm. uh, and allowing uh, the free printing and giving out of posters. Yes, which is always wonderful when people say, "How much do these cost?" and I say, "Zero money," because Uncle Squarespace paid for it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so we went to San Francisco. That was fantastic. Um, you want to tell your San Francisco story? It's so wonderful. The little kid? Yeah. Why, okay. why not? So uh, I was on Fillmore Street, uh-huh. which is my new favorite street in San Francisco. Yeah, it's great. And uh, there was this little girl crying and pointing at a man. And I couldn't figure out what the girl's problem was until I overheard her mom say, no, honey, uh, he's not throwing that away. That's a recycling <laughs> bin he's putting that cup in. <laughs> Swear to God that happened. Yeah, it could not be more San Francisco than that. I, oh, I, I can top that. Actually. Oh, yeah? The, that same street, later that day or the next day, uh-huh. I saw a woman crossing at about that point, and she had her arm in a sling, and the sling was Burberry. Wow. So, And the cast was probably made from like recycled uh, bandages from you know patients <laughs> who didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> or ones who did. They just took them anyway. Right. Uh, I'm so not then, dead yet. Well, oh, very nice. Thank you. Monty Python reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we went to San Diego. Right. Performed in a church. Yes. The Ironic. Yeah. Which is a little weird, but cool and fun. Mm-hmm. It was the church from uh, the Prince of Darkness. <laughs> that's right. Or at least it was after we left. I'm virtually convinced that's yeah. what it was. Well, it might have been. I have to go back and watch it again, but sure. I mean, it was very reminiscent <laughs> of it. Uh, where, uh, Dallas after that. Yeah, we played in the theater where Lee Harvey Oswald hit out. That's right. And the Dallas crowd was great and raucous. And they actually, there's a point in this uh, show where I, I do a yeehaw and uh, they yeehawed back. It was an involuntary spasm yeah. from the Dallas crowd. And they also, uh, at least two or three people shot guns into the air. And you saw a 10-gallon hat. What? Yes. In person. In person. Did it hold 10 gallons at of, least. of milk? At least. Maybe a baker's dozen of <laughs> gallons. Uh, then we went to Austin, Texas, which is a wonderful city. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, we're going to be back in Austin for South by Southwest. Uh, and performing uh, at our very own, we're getting like our own house. Well, you, Not a stuff you should know house. No, like the Speakeasy. We're going to be there. Yeah, the City of Atlanta Speakeasy House. Uh, I think like Fifth and Congress or something like. Yeah, that. Yeah, so look for us again, Austin, Texas, in March. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have heard of it or not. It's going to be at South by Southwest. <laughs> Just look it up. Uh, where do we go next? We went to New Orleans. Yes, that was a cool show. It was wonderful, and uh, I want to shout out. Uh, Miss Kristen Bell and Mr. Dak Shepard, mm-hmm. the lovely acting couple who we know listen to our show because they've been kind enough to tweet about us sure. in support in the past. And 
I was at a bakery in New Orleans and Emily came out. She said, Kristen Bell's in there. Yeah. And I felt like I had to go say something and thank her. Right. And uh, she was delighted to meet me and relieved seconds after I said who I was. That you weren't just some weirdo? No, dude. I come lumbering like this woodland beast comes lumbering up to her in a bakery <laughs> and she was like literally shielding her ch- children from me. Right, yeah. And she, she went, the mace just, yeah, just yeah. almost out. She went, oh, oh, you're Chuck. Thank God. Uh, and she couldn't have been nicer. And she met Ruby and insisted I change Ruby's diaper there in her booth because there was no changing room. Nice. And uh, so thanks for your support, uh, Miss Miss Bell. Miss Bell, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I can't call her Kristen, uh, but I can call Dax Dax because sure. he's just cool like that. Uh, and then we went to Atlanta. That was probably the most fun show I've ever done. That was a fun show. Hometown show, sold it out. Yeah. Family and friends. It was just a wonderful special night and i stayed out till three in the morning uh drinking way too much and i can attest to this because i saw chuck the next day for the last show Mm -hmm. in birmingham that's right and both of us took it easy that night because we both had to turn around and drive home after the show yep 2 a.m back to atlanta two exhausted little stuffers i was impressed by the birmingham crowd they showed up and they were like um whatever impressions you may have of us they're wrong yeah entertain us smartly yeah, and, and we, we did. We we didn't know. Tore uh, the roof off that sucker. It was sort of a test of a smaller southeastern market. <laughs> it was cool. And they came through. So Yeah, it was a things. good crowd in Birmingham, too. And the, the venue was really neat, too. The workplace space is yeah. really neat. And they were very nice folks. All podcasters out there who go on tour, check out Workplay in Birmingham. Yeah, there were dogs running around after inside there, yeah. which is perfect for us. Yep. Uh, That's our tour. Yeah, thanks, everybody. And if you're wondering what we did, you're going to have to wait until we release the live show. That's right. Oh, one more quick uh, announcement. Um, If anyone in Atlanta wants to come see my mediocre old man band. Oh, where? uh, We are playing February 26th at the Star Bar. Awesome. Which I'm super excited because it's just an age-old great venue in Atlanta. Oh, sure. And they mistakenly let us on the bill. Nice. Uh, So come on out if you want to see us melt some faces. Is that what you guys do? Oh, we melt faces. Shredding? Shredding, my friend. Nice. So that's it. You got any other announcements? No. Great. I don't have an old man band, so no. Well, you can. Dreams can come true. Star Bar is one of mine and Yumi's places. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Are we invited? No, you can't. Actually, you're on a list. Like, do not let in. (laughs) I think you should have been like, Atlanta minus Josh. My old man band is going to be playing. Yeah, you can come if you want. Nice. Great. Uh, let's see. What else, Chuck? Land diving. Oh, yeah. We put it off long enough. That's right. All right. So land diving. It sounds weird, and it is a little weird. It's um this ancient custom that we actually know the origin story to. We know where it started. Yeah. I don't, it never came across when specifically. It seems to have happened some point back in the distant past. Okay. But I'm not entirely certain if the distant past is like... 2,000 years ago? Right. Or 300 years ago? In which case, it wouldn't be ancient. No, but it'd still be, that's still distant past. Is ancient, is that quantified? Uh, no. I never even thought to, to see. Surely it's not. Well, why don't you just continue? I might even look it up. Okay. Which we rarely do. So, uh, Chuck's gonna look that up. I'll keep talking. <laughs> There's an island called Vanuatu. It's in the South Pacific. Survivor did a season there. Sure. Uh, but even before Survivor, it was famous, and it was famous for this land diving thing. Um, and back in, uh, there's actually a specific island 
in Vanuatu called Pentecost Island. Uh, clearly the missionaries got their hands on that island. Yeah. And, um, Pentecost Island is where this, the, the origin of land diving or something called, it's called Naghol. Yeah. Or Naghol. N-A-G-H-O-L? Yeah. Yeah. Not the easiest word to pronounce. Eh, you did fine. Naghol. Yeah. Naghol. Anyway, you say that a bunch of times. <laughs> Man, I feel rusty. No, you're great. Great. You're squeaky clean. So, uh, this land diving thing, it's not like these guys, like, climb up a couple of feet and jump onto the ground and do a somersault and then do a, stick it with the Y, their hands in the air. Yeah, stick the landing. It's much more intricate than that. And primitive. And dangerous. Yes. Extremely dangerous. So uh, it bears a striking resemblance to bungee jumping. And the reason why is because the guy who invented bungee jumping, an Australian named A.J. Hackett, went to Pentecost Island at some point in the 80s, saw this stuff, and said, Oi, I could totally do something like that, but with <laughs> a an elastic band. Yeah. That's the big difference between bungee and land diving. Yeah, he didn't invent it, but he popularized it. Who invented bungee jumping? Uh, I didn't get a name, but I saw that the first um, the first bungee jumping that anyone knows about was uh, in England. Oh, yeah. Uh, Are you sure it wasn't this cat? Because he traveled the world bungee jumping. Yeah, 1979, the UK-based Dangerous Sports Club oh, okay. uh, leapt off a suspension bridge. In San Francisco, though, I think. Clifton Suspension Bridge near Bristol. No, that's San Francisco. <laughs> Everybody knows the famous... <laughs> Clifton Suspension Bridge, uh, gateway to Marin County. This is uh, that's the Golden Gate Bridge, I believe. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, and I think they say Marin. I told you Marin. I was rusty. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. Th- they didn't give a name, but it said, uh, and this is from a Time Magazine article. Because what's going on is, um, or at least a few years ago, people and uh, the tribes people were trying to get some money out of AJ Hackett and his partner. They're basically like, wait a minute, you copied our right. age old, and I looked up ancient, by the way. What is it? Uh, it said it's a- uh, More bo- than 60 years. Belonging to the very distant past and no longer in existence. Uh, well, then ancient wouldn't work in this case because there's still land diving in Vanuatu. But can all, it, it can also just mean like really old, like that ancient jacket you're wearing. I'm not wearing a jacket. This well, is a sweater. The ancient underwear you're wearing. Uh, this is very new. <laughs> From last quarter. Your underwear? Yeah. Okay, good. Do you buy your underwear quarterly? <laughs> <laughs> do the taxes, buy the underwear. I got to do that still. Um, so anyway, he didn't invent it, but uh, and I might as well go ahead and finish that little story about them trying to get money. Apparently, it's probably not going to happen. I couldn't see any recent. It's always one of the most frustrating things when you see something from a few years ago and can't find a follow-up. But uh, from what I gathered, they're going to have a really hard time getting money out of them because there is no legal protection afforded to traditional rituals in or outside of Vanuatu, is what experts say. Nice. Like, basically, you can't you can't say this tribal ritual like we own it. Right. Which so is... Westerners, just feel free to copy it and, and exploit it <laughs> right, for, exactly. for money. Our Western intellectual property laws don't apply to your tribal customs. <laughs> Uh, all right, since we were long-winded at first, why don't we take a break, and then we'll get into exactly what goes on with these dives. Yeah, we haven't said.
All right, Josh, uh, you said it wasn't a few feet off the ground. It's more like just under 100 feet mm-hmm. where these towers are built. Uh, the towers are, are not, you know, um, made of rebar and uh, what do they call the scaffolding? It's made of stuff there in, in, the, in the jungle. Right. It's made of vines and it's made of wood. And yeah. they build a new one each year during, uh, well, I call it yam season before the <laughs> yam harvest. <laughs> Yam time. <laughs> I call it the bloodletting. Uh, but it, it, we, it is we cut open the earth and remove her yams from her breast. What in the world are you talking about? Yam time. I don't get it. We're talking about the same thing. We're okay. just talking differently. All right. Is what you said a real thing? No. It's very macabre. I know. Okay. Where was I? Yam time. Yam time. So it's during yam season or, or just before yam harvest. And that's one of the reasons uh, they take part in this ritual is to ensure a bountiful yam harvest. Mm-hmm. I get the feeling it's yams are a pretty big deal for them. Uh, if you're doing this to ensure a bountiful yam harvest, yes. Yeah. Yes, yams are very important. And it's also um, a good time to do it because that is uh, when the vines are most full of sap and yeah. less likely to be brittle and break. Right. Which is not what you want. And these are the linea vines, right? Yes. So the, the, the linea vines, it's extremely important what kind of linea vines that you select because at any point in the linea vine that you select, uh, if it's dry, it can snap. Yeah. And since it's tied to somebody's ankle and they're jumping off at about 45 miles an hour up to 30 meters or almost 100 feet yeah, both in the ankles. air. Yeah. Yeah. You want to make sure that vine's not going to snap. Yeah. So uh, if we haven't explicitly said it, they jump as if they are bungee jumping. But there is, I mean, there's some elasticity because I watched it, uh-huh. but it's not like bungee cords. Right. They're not rubber bands. Um, it's generally the idea is you want to fold your arms over your chest, mm-hmm. make the leap. Right. And then come as close to the ground as you can without... Uh, having a hard impact, but you ideally do want to touch the ground with your shoulders. Right. It's like so barely. You also, as you're coming up toward the ground, you want to tuck your head into your chest yeah. so that what's hitting the ground is that like the, the tops of your shoulders basically. Yeah. And, and a really, really important point that just kind of gets glossed over in this article is that they till the ground below the platform. Yeah. It's also a little slopey, which helps, I think. Right. So that it's cushioned because when you watch this stuff, people hit the ground really hard a lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, one guy died. Uh, in 1974, and Queen Elizabeth happened to be there. He didn't die in front of her. He died later of his injuries. But um, one of the jumpers, while Queen Elizabeth was sitting there watching, um, he did die. And it turns out that a lot of people hit the ground, but this guy was the only person in recent memory that anybody alive could remember um, actually died. And I think it's mainly because they till that ground so much. Yeah, there was one fatality in 2006. Oh, really? But, um, I mean, considering what they're doing, that's a pretty good track record yeah. here in, in modern times. That's right. Not too bad. So where did all this come from, Chuck? Well, uh, years ago, there, well, here's the legend. And, of course, this smacks of legend um, in every way. But you never know. Might have been had some truth to it early on. Sure. So many legends do. 
<laughs> including right. that Tom Cruise movie, Legend. <laughs> Which one was? Oh, that was the the fantasy movie. Yes. Yeah. I never. I think I saw it, but not my favorite. No. no. I yet. never saw it. Oh, okay. Don't bother. I always used to confuse it with Labyrinth. Yeah, that was better. Was it? Yeah, featuring uh, David Bowie, the yes. late great David Bowie. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's the legend. Um, there was a woman named uh, Tamali, T A M A L I E, not Tamali. It's a way to go. Uh, Tamali. Uh, she was a, a woman in the village. No, and- Tamali was the man. I thought Tamali was a woman. N- no, Tamali was her husband, I believe. All right. So it's the husband. Yeah. Maybe she was Amelie. Amelie and Tomily. They would have been the cutest couple. Everyone knew they were going to get married. On Pentecost Island. So uh, she, apparently, Tomily was abusive. Well, she had, she had had an affair and he found out about it and it was in the process of abusing her. And See, her I also tree. read, this is why it's legend, because right. there are many versions. Nobody. I, I read he was forcing himself on her sexually. Oh, really? And uh, she was like, this ain't happening anymore. Right. Tomily. Either way. It's abuse. He's abusing her, yes. Uh, and so she flees, climbs up uh, to a tall tree. He climbs up after her, uh, intent on, you know, continuing his, his abusive behaviors. Right. She, I guess, has enough time to tie these vines around her ankles and jumps. She's fast. And he says, I'm jumping after you, too. Dep- but- okay, again, legend. Either out of he thinks that she just jumped to her death and sure. he's sad, so he's committing suicide. I don't buy that one. He's lunging at her and misses. I, I could buy that one more. Or he's like, I'm I'm jumping after you because I'm Tom Lee and I'm dumb. <laughs> Maybe so. One of those. But at any rate, as legend goes, I'm she... I'm going to beat you up on the way down. <laughs> as legend goes, she actually survived the jump thanks to the vines on her ankles. He did not. Um, so did she craft this ahead of time? I say there's a lot easier ways to kill your husband than this weird... Uh, yeah. You know, like maybe he'll follow me up the tree and jump after me. Well, if you're a thrill seeker, though, this is what you're going to come up with. She might have been. Uh, and then this is where it also goes off into different directions. Um, some people say that she continued that jump every year, uh, and then men eventually said, no, we're doing the jumping. And then some say, no, men immediately started jumping and said women can't jump. Right. And the the latter of those two legends um, is that men... We're like, well, we need to start practicing in case somebody else, right. in case this, this ever happens to me. Because clearly this is going to be a trend that starts. And you women, you're not allowed to practice, only us. That's right. And so the husbands would get up on the platform and they would uh, basically make a speech ab- about their wife's behavior <laughs> and then make the jump. And the coffee she makes is terrible. <laughs> so I'm going to jump. Watch this. Uh, and you know the wife is just down there like, I hate this stupid tradition. No, I don't think so. They embrace it now. Well, I mean, when the husband's sitting there griping oh, about sure. his wife. Yeah, yeah. They're like, jump already. everybody about, I'm sure, some piddling stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, just jump. <laughs> you don't have to add that part. Uh, but what has remained true today is that women are not permitted to jump. Um, it's only men. And aside from one uh, white dude... In the 1970s, no outsider has ever been allowed to jump. No, Cat, Cat Muller. Cal. Was it Cal? I thought it was Cat. Cal Muller. Yeah. Ac- ended up like living with the Pentecost Islanders um, for at least seven months, if not longer. I think over the course of a couple of years, but the last stint was seven straight months. And he, they speak a, a version of pidgin English. Um, and he 
like learn to speak it as well. And he gave a really like heartfelt speech from the platform when they finally yeah. let him. And it was apparently, by all accounts, a very touching. Well, not all accounts by Cal Muller's account. <laughs> sure. A very touching experience. Well, and you know, because he said in his article, land diving with the Pentecost Islanders, it was a very touching experience. Oh, did he really? I'm sure he did. Oh, okay. I did read uh, the article, actually. Uh, it's pretty good. He it was, was for a- Nat Geo magazine. So he was the first to, or, for, or only outsider to jump. It's it's actually, so it's because it's so dangerous. Yeah. It's, it's forbidden, but they... They, they've enshrined it in a taboo. It's like a, a cultural taboo for a non-Vanuatuer to jump, to do the knockoff. Yeah, and I'm sure there have been plenty of bungee bros really trying to get in there. Yeah. But they, by all accounts, have been rebuffed at every turn. They're like, does anybody have some 311 they can play while I jump? <laughs> and But anyway, Cal Muller wasn't the... <laughs> He was the only one to jump. He wasn't the first outsider to see this. There were a lot of early witnesses, obviously the uh, Pentecostals who first came to the island as missionaries. It didn't occur to me that's why the island was called that. Sure. Like a dummy. I just gloss right over that. Um, but you're not a dummy, man. Yeah. It's, I hate it when obvious things don't occur to me, though. It's it's just perspective. Like it could have been called Christian Now Island. And I would have been <laughs> like, what a weird name. Christian Now. <laughs> What's with the exclamation point? <laughs> Uh, but earlier than that, earlier than Cal Muller, there was some, uh, there was an, an adventurer couple named, um, Irving and Electra Johnson. And they just traveled the world at a time when traveling the world was very difficult. Yeah. Uh, well, the fifties. And they were correspondents for National Geographic for a while. And in 1953, they finally got to see it. They had a friend on, uh, Pentecost Island probably a missionary who was saying like you got to see this man it's crazy yeah i'll see if i can arrange it and they became some of the first outsiders to ever write about it well and missionaries actually um talk them in well it says they banned the, pra- the practice uh, in the late 19th century but after world war ii apparently there was a big revival in uh vanuatu's independence and like reclaiming their traditions and so that's when it started uh, coming back into favor. That's great. And um, also because they realized, uh, and we'll get to this. That the they yams could, had shrunk in size? <laughs> maybe. Uh, also because they could make some dough from uh, from people who wanted to travel and watch this. Right. Yeah, because um, I, we mentioned Queen Elizabeth has seen this. She wasn't the, it didn't go uh, the Johnsons, Cal Muller, Queen Elizabeth. It became like a pretty big tourist attraction and still is today. Um, and as a matter of fact, the original Nagal took place once, one day out of the year. Yeah. And as tourists started to come and tourist dollars started to come with them, the, the Pentecost Islanders said, we'll do this more than once a year. How about that? Yeah, I think the the one is their official sure. special ceremony. Right. But then I think between what April and June they do it weekly, yeah, at like a matinee on Saturdays even, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, for the kitties. The rest of them get a little blue. Yeah. So let's take a break and then we'll we'll describe the actual um, Nagal ceremony, huh? All right, so Chuck. Yes. Uh, Nagal begins with a, uh, I think they kind of select a trusted elder of the tribe and say, 
This is your year. Abe Vigoda. You're the Grand Marshal of Nar- Nog Hall. Yeah. Uh, here's your hat with the feather in the front. Uh-huh. Do some good stuff. Here's your orange soda. And the elder said, I've been waiting for this <laughs> my whole life, and I'm going to do the best Nog Hall ever. Uh, it's going to be an under the sea theme. No. Okay, well, everything but the last part. Right. Okay, so the elder uh, is in charge of overseeing the construction of the platform, which is terrifying. These platforms are terrifying. Yeah, I mean, just when you look at these, climbing up to the top of that, to me, is too much. Right, let alone jumping off, yeah. right? I'm, I'm sure they're really good at it, though, and they seem sure. very sturdy. Right, so over the course of a few weeks, they uh, construct these platforms, again, up to like 30 meters in height, which is about 100 feet, um, and they'll have platforms of varying levels for People of varying levels of courage. Yeah, like the high dives. Sure. Um, and the platforms are basically like they select a, a strong, tall tree, and that serves as like the spine of the platform. And then they use wood and vines to kind of create these platforms of varying height along the tree, right? That's right. And so that's kind of phase one, the construction phase. And then finally, the day of Naghal comes. And the night before they jump, all the people who are going to jump sleep out at the foot of the platform. Yeah, they avoid sex. Yeah, that's a big superstition. They can't have sex the night before. They say that it'll throw off your jump. Sure. Uh, and actually, the guy who jumped and died in front of uh, Queen Elizabeth, uh, he... Had a lucky charm on him. I thought you were about to say he had sex with Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that man. That's you. And uh, so that's another taboo. No sex with Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. Um, he had a lucky charm on him. So now lucky charms are considered bad luck. That's right. Um, so there's some there's some superstitions considering the whole thing or surrounding the whole thing. Um, but the, the, the night before, they will sleep out in, in front of the platform. And then when they wake up... They just immediately start drumming and like oh, yeah. cooking and it's like on. it's a huge party like the moment they wake up. Yeah, and that same uh, elder is, that, that supervises the construction is also the man who picks out all the vines for all the jumpers. <laughs> right. And it says right here in the article, there's there's no maths involved. Um, he basically, it said, works from experience and trial and error uh, yeah. in selecting the appropriate length of vine. Right. Um, so hopefully you apprentice as an elder. Sure. You know? Yeah. And it's not just like, I've never done this before, but let's see what happens. Yeah, but like I said, o- only the 1974 and 2006 deaths in modern times. So they're doing it right. They are doing it right. I'm sure there are injuries, though. Yes. Tons. Broken shoulders yes. and, and broken arms. And- spleen bursts is a big problem. Oh, the old the old spleen burst. Uh-huh. Especially if the vine's too short and you slam into the platform. Yeah, like that's what you would think is no, just make it super short. Right. But because it's not a bungee, you jump out and you swing right back into that thing. Right. So you like there is a tremendous amount of skill and luck in selecting the vine length because I mean you have to take into account well what platform are you jumping from how long are you or tall is another way to put it yeah um, and again the the you want to have a vine that's very supple has a lot of sap and no dry spot in it because a vine's only as strong as its weakest dry spot that's the old saying mm-hmm. uh, so the the first jumper gets up there and every jumper to follow um, still traditionally will say a few words. Um, at the top, that could be his last words. You never know. Um, and it ranges from. Um, let me g- get a few things off my chest here um, <laughs> and clear up a couple of like, you know, issues I've had with people. Maybe right. any outstanding beefs. I once stole a yam. Maybe. 
Uh, it's really kind of up to or, them. Or Sometimes miming. Just, some people mime. Really? Like, some people really ham it up up there. Because the crowd is just enwrapped yeah. by it's, you. It is your moment. Yeah, it's and, their big and moment. Like the, you can have them eating out of your hand. Some people do. Some people sing a song. Really? Yeah. They're like, oh, the uh, Whitey really loves this part. Right. So let me put on a good show. Or they tell jokes or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when I say Whitey, <laughs> I mean like, you know, people like... Whitey Ford. People that pay $400 after spending thousands to travel here to witness this ancient custom. Well, not ancient custom. Yeah, I don't think clearing that up's going to help. I think you're still going to get a ton of emails for that one. You know, if someone white writes in and takes a task with me saying whitey, then come on, pr- bring it. <laughs> That's what I say. Uh, so when they make the jump, um, the crowd is silent yeah. initially, uh, right before the leap, and then much rejoicing right afterward. And it's all, you know, it's over it's, in a second. Especially if the person is okay. There's sure. a lot of rejoicing right after. But I guess everybody rushes over and, like, unties the yeah. vines and are like, get are up, okay? right. suck it up, here's a salt tablet. <laughs> Uh, so we did mention, uh, the, the tourism and I, I think I just dropped the $350 reference. Right. That's, uh, at the, all accounts. that's the low end. I'm and and sure. that's just for the actual, let me pay to witness this. Right. Costs a lot more to, to get there. Oh yeah. And you know, if you can find a $350 package to get you from your house in no, the United no. <laughs> States to Vanuatu, you take that package. No. Cause you have to fly in by seaplane. They don't have an airport. Right. That, that I know of. I wonder where you would fly into to get to Vanuatu. Surely there's an international airport in Vanuatu somewhere. Or it's South Pacific, right? Yeah. Yeah, who knows? I'm sure uh, they did the Survivor show there, so I'm sure there's... there's they constructed an airport, but then they're also like nothing but sour grapes because they tore it down right after. They're <laughs> like, well, we don't need this anymore. Did you ever watch that show? Uh, I saw like the first season. I think I did too. I think it's still going, miraculously. Is it really? Maybe, maybe not. But I know it went on far longer oh, yeah. than I believed it did. I would guess what, maybe in the 17, 17 seasons, 20 seasons, something like that? Crazy. So uh, we also should mention the garb. Um, women on the island are in their traditional grass skirts and uh, not much of anything else. Right. And the men wear... Although this is during Nagal. Typically they, they dress like in Western clothing. Oh really? Yeah, it's during Nagal. It's like a, a yet another nod to like this. This is our tradition. This is our customs. So they're wearing like the, you know, 1990s Bulls NBA champion T-shirt. Right. Always picture stuff like that. There, uh, yeah, there is. I think a Planet Money series or something like that about how our clothes end up. Yeah. Elsewhere in other Super parts of the world. Yeah. Uh, so but yeah, every Saturday the women are like, "See you next week, bra." Right. And top and everything. Sure. Uh, and the men um, say, see you clothing, uh, and let me just get out my penis sheath. <laughs> Which I keep in the pocket of my <laughs> Levi's. And that's all they're wearing. Um, they do wear, um, some of them wear like boar's tusks around their neck and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they're anointed with oil, coconut oil. And But um, aside from that, they're, they're uh, not wearing many clothes. It's pretty neat, man, the whole thing. It is. And um, I think we didn't mention, it, it's a twofold... Uh, uh, purpose these days. Not only are they ensuring the yam harvest, but uh, young boys, after they are circumcised at seven or eight years old, can participate as a way of like showing their 
transcendence into manhood. Right. And they'll typically jump from a lower platform and yeah. work their way up. The kiddie pool. But their moms watch and apparently they hold like some sort of like item from their childhood, like their binky or something like that. Yeah. Then after their son lands, they, they throw it away because he's yeah. not like, he's not a boy anymore. He's a man. Kind of a neat ritual. It is very neat. Except for the eight year old getting circumcised part. Yeah. And also, it said that sometimes these boys are just trying to impress a girl, you know? Yeah. Like, look at me jumping from the 15-foot the platform. Right. Which is adorable. It is pretty cute. Um, and one other thing I wanted yeah. to say, Chuck, I thought was pretty neat. There have been plenty of documentary companies that have been allowed on the island to film. And, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it's become like a, a big thing. Um but the government of Vanuatu said, you know what? This is getting too commercialized. Sure. So you guys can keep coming and see it, tourists, but um, we're not going to let you guys- hit the gift shop on the way out. Right. <laughs> well, we're not going to let you guys film this anymore because we don't want to, we don't want to overexploit it. Yeah. I think, was that 2006? Yeah. The, the moratorium yeah. on filming. I thought that was very neat. Yeah. I think it's just, I mean, you get caught up in this modern world as uh, dumb Americans and- it's just amazing to think that there are still places in the world that where it's, you know, unspoiled. Sure. To a certain degree. Yeah. Although they do this in Iowa, too. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like that? That was great. Uh, if you want to know more about um, land diving, you can type the word, those words, it's two words, into the uh, search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. Since I said search bar... It's time for listener mail. All right, I'm going to call this uh, Timber episode. One of my favorites of recent memory, somehow. Are you out of your mind? I thought it was great. You didn't like it? No. No, it was just... Oh, hush. You say that after every episode. No, this one in particular, I was like, oh. What did you think it was? The trickle of blood came out of my no. ear. It was, it was so boring. Was well, we heard from the timber industry... They loved it. Oh, really? Yeah. The paper industry or the timber industry? Timber guys. Okay. Lumberjacks. I'm guessing the paper industry didn't like that one. Maybe not. Uh, hey, guys. I'm a doctoral student in environmental economics in Oregon, and I'm uh, close to the topic of forests both personally and academically. Perhaps this is just a topic for another podcast, but one oversight in the timber discussion was that of non-timber forest products, NTFBs, like mushrooms, berries, and roots like Wood ginseng. <laughs> They're not a product. I wouldn't have thought of any of those things as Products? A, a timber product. Yeah, that's neat. No, it's non-timber. Oh, non-timber forest product. Yes. Well, yeah, woodchuck stands. <laughs> These are a major source of income and substance, uh, subsistence excuse me, <laughs> what? Uh, in many lower-income countries and communities. A valuable driver of tourism and are often culturally important as well. Also, wild mushroom and berry harvest here in Pacific Northwest can have high yields and in some instances may have a higher economic value than that of the harvested timber on any given plot. Sure. Uh, find some truffles? That's worth well, some dough. Sure. Uh, the, uh, these NTFP stocks, however, usually depend on the tree uh, the tree stand remaining in place or at least not being completely depleted. Uh, some species even depend on forest fires or rotting trees. Researchers just haven't spent a lot of time on the economics surrounding this topic yet. I guess because they're, you know. They're all just like timber, timber, timber. That's all the forest is. Exactly. This guy's got some, he's got, he can see the forest from the trees. Exactly. Or the vice versa. Also, just to chime in on developed versus non-industrialized semantics, I prefer to use the term low or lower income country. 
I feel like a lot of the terms like underdeveloped and developing in particular involve a lot of value judgments about the people and discussions on the topic of development. Uh, of development, people also regularly get confused about what is meant by developer developing. Mm-hmm. Is developed a measure of capital accumulation, median income, poverty levels, happiness? Yeah. I'm sure there are plenty of people, uh, de- uh, development economics, who would disagree with me uh, in my terminology, but that's what I like to use. That dude raises a really good point. Yeah. It's virtually impossible, though, to, to compare the economies of two different countries and not be like, oh, this one's better. Right. That one's better. Sure. And it's almost all through this Western lens yeah. of they got more money. They have more access to handy technology. I know. And there's a lot of stuff that's not taken into account. Where, no, that's not necessarily true. I like this guy's outlook. Well, I mean, at least it's good that we've gone from, you know, savages to third world right. to developing to, I mean, who knows what the next phrase will be. But Well, you know, third world was originally used to describe a country that wasn't aligned with the U.S. or the USSR. Right. It was like a non, non it was a neutral country during the Cold War. Yeah, it, it didn't have an economic association. Right. Or a military association. Right. Yeah. So pretty interesting. Great email, uh, Michael. Yeah, so for real, Michael. Thank you. I think I'm going to teach Momo to root out truffles. You got a billion dollar dog on your hand, then. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Billion. And he, truffles are lo- wonderful to eat. Sure. I'm going to teach her to root out both kinds of truffles, lint and the mushrooms. What are lint truffles? Oh, the chocolate yeah. ones. That would be wonderful. <laughs> Be careful, though. She shouldn't eat chocolate. No, well, that's part of the thing. Like, if you teach a pig to root out truffles, one of the first things you have to teach them is not to eat the truffles themselves. I'm sure. Or to, like, you need to, like, put a pig in a headlock, uh, headlock really quick. <laughs> okay, so, uh, uh, oh, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us like Michael did, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 